The peace of Christ be with you. As we gather into this place, I invite you to slow down, to take about three deep breaths and allow yourself to be gathered into the presence of the Spirit and held by this house of prayer. Friends, let us worship the living God. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Enter the gates of the Lord with thanksgiving and courts of God with praise. Give thanks and bless God's holy name. For the Lord is good, God's love is eternal, and God's faithfulness has no end. Let us worship the living, giving, and life-loving God. be seated. Welcome. Welcome here to Westminster, especially if you're visiting with us. A special welcome to you. If you are a visitor, I invite you to seek out someone wearing a name tag. That means they've been around for a little while and can welcome you, answer any questions you might have. 
during our offering. If you're sitting here in the middle, if you take that pew book, sign your name and your information, pass it down, pass it back. It's a great way for us to connect with you if you're visiting. It's also a wonderful way for you to be able to greet each other by name after the service. So let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. God, you are our creator and we praise you. You have blessed this world and called it good. You have blessed us with the gift of love that we confess to see most clearly in Jesus Christ. Activate that love in us that we might not lean on excuses for the preventable, that we might help bring about your shalom. Bless us with creativity and keep us from demeaning those with whom we struggle. Move us forward as one people, all made in your everlasting image. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, hear this invitation from Jesus. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest in Christ's forgiveness and be strengthened to the work ahead in justice and in love. Amen. I now invite any of the children who are worshiping with us to come join Jeff here at the front. Good morning. Good morning. So I have to tell you, sometimes I get really, really tired. Are any of you really tired right now? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of you, some of you, yeah. Uh, do, you know, do, you, do you know what that feels like, though, to be super tired? Well, I used to run these races that were really long, lots of miles. I would be tired after that. Sometimes I'd be tired just because it was really hot outside. Sometimes I was tired because we went on a really long hike, and we saw lots of beautiful things, but still I was tired because we walked a lot. Sometimes I'm just yes, so. We did. We saw a waterfall. <laughs> Were you tired? You weren't tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there are a lot of things that make us tired. And what's? I wonder what kind of things do you do to feel better when you get tired? Yeah. You, that's a good one. You take a nap? Yeah, that's a good one, too. Do, I just want you to see this. How many of the adults like naps? See, they like naps, too. See? You think, oh, grown-ups don't nap. They nap, okay? It's called work. I'm just kidding. No, it's not, no. <laughs> Wait, are there any other things you might do when you get tired? Yeah? Drink water? That's a really good idea. Yeah, Ben? Watch a movie. Yeah, it's a great way to relax. I want to show you something, and you're going to have to make way. Well, could you, you guys roll that in here? 
So, so a little over a month ago, we had all of you make feathers. Could you guys part ways over here? Let's yeah, scoot this way. And we're going to roll this thing over here so everyone can see it. So a little over a month ago, we had all of you make feathers. And then my lovely wife, Jen, helped assemble them into these, into these beautiful wings. And the reason we made these wings is there's actually this idea that goes throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, that says that we will find rest and healing in the wings of God. And you kind of imagine God like an angel with angel wings. And so a lot of people that lived in Jesus' time and the prophets' time, they had this idea that sometimes these wings, that I just imagine that I'm sitting under God's wings. And that's where I find rest, and that's where I find healing. You know, it's this church is a place where a lot of people have found rest and healing over the years. And so what we want you to do, not right now, but later, we're going to have these wings set up in Wright Hall, and we want to invite everybody, all of you, to have your picture taken in front of the wings to serve as a reminder that every time you come here to this place and the people that are here, <laughs> and the people that are here is a place where you have found hopefully rest, healing. There was a woman, well actually first, there was a guy named Malachi. He was a prophet. And he said one time, he said, you know, there, God is going to come to earth. We will find healing in his wings. And there was a woman that remembered this when Jesus was alive. And this woman had some kind of disease or illness. We're not sure, but she was in a lot of pain. And Jesus was in a crowd of people. And she was pushing through the crowd, pushing through the crowd. And she reached out and she touched Jesus and was healed because she remembered, if I can touch God's wings, I will be healed. And that's what this church has become for many people. So today we're hoping that with the help of everyone here, we can make this an even bigger set of wings for the community, an even more beautiful set of wings for the community and for each other. So again, I want to invite everyone to have a picture with this thing. Later on, we have a stool for those of you who uh, are height challenged. And, and please share it with your friends and let it be a reminder that this place is where many of us find healing and rest in the wings of God and the presence of God. Let's go have some fun. Go now in peace. It's a time in our worship where we share with each other our joys and our concerns so that we can be in prayer for and with each other throughout the week. If you have a joy or a concern to share, I invite you to just raise your hand and let us know. Barb? Thanks for jumping in. You remember which one you did? That's cool. That's Jeff, cool I think you your microphone's on. All right, yes. Yes. 
So uh, Barb uh, offers prayers for all those whose friends or family have lost their lives to gun violence. And a joy that she was able to wear orange with many, many others yesterday on the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Prayers for a friend's grandson who was born about two months early in the hospital, doing well, but continued prayers for him and his family. Suzanne. Good. That's Virgie Sir you're talking about, right? Just to make sure we've got the right person. So Virgie, who sang in our choir for quite a while, has now moved to the East Coast and is settling in nicely, so that's a joy. Thank you. Others? Rob. Go Absolutely. Prayers for Michael Peterson, who has been our base section leader, is now nearing the end of his life after a journey with cancer. Just continued prayers for him. Yeah, I have a concern to share. Jeff so beautifully lifted up this image of the church being a place where children and maybe not children feel um, cared for in the wings of God on Sundays. But like so many working families, the Shankles trust their children to the wings of daycare or preschool. And I think it was just yesterday, maybe Friday, they got an email saying, your preschool is closed effective today. So imagine what that does for all those families with no long-term plan and, frankly, with no short-term plan. So prayers that a way would be made so that these two beloved members of our community, as well as those we don't even know, have a place for their children Monday when they have to go to work. Amen. Yes. Remind me of his name. Alex Medias, who was shot in the head, right? Several weeks ago, we've been praying for him. He is making a slow but a good recovery. Yeah, doctors calling it a miracle. So continued prayers for him and his wife and all who know and love him. Let's take a few moments of quiet, and then I'll lead us in the Lord's Prayer. So let us be in prayer together. Gracious God, you hear the prayers of your people, and they're offered in the name of the one who teaches us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this 
The first scripture reading is 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 to 12. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church today. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh, so death is at work in us, but life in you. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Like so many of you, my folks were the kinds of saints who allowed their minivan to be commandeered every Saturday of my teenage years for traveling soccer games. And believe it or not, to this day, I can still recall the names of all those towns in central and southern Indiana where we traveled to play those games in the hot summer sun. It struck me as I was reading for today that I can only remember the team name of one of those teams, the Rowdies of Noblesville, Indiana. Now, maybe three weeks ago, Noblesville meant nothing to you, but if you've been paying attention, you'll remember that one week after the shooting in Santa Fe, there was a shooting at Noblesville West Middle School. Now, Sherry and I had our son later than most of our peers, so I was doing the math, and it sort of works out about right that likely the children of some of those boys I played against were in that school that day. So my ears perked up when I heard the news. Add another one to the list, and add the whole list to another list of all these intractable issues that seem to press us down, and you can name them, and your list might look different than mine. Whether it's refugees coming from war-torn lands being denied safe entry, or migrants who are often fleeing the same kind of violence but not given the same status necessarily, who are literally separated from their children at the border. Some of the children were now told are lost. Whether it's this sort of senseless march toward the wasting of the earth that we witness, even as people try to put on the brakes, or instances of unhealed racism, mass incarceration, the endless string of Me Too revelations of sexual abuse and misconduct, 
all kinds of issues, and I haven't even touched on the ones that might dominate most of your energy or your worries on a given day for all kinds of good reason. And it's easy to think these things are not only heartbreaking, but inevitable, and we're powerless to stop them. One of the most disturbing comments in light of the Santa Fe shooting, which preceded Noblesville by a week, was um, an interaction that a reporter had with a student named Paige Curry. I don't know if you saw it. And the reporter says, are you surprised that this has happened in your school? Is this surreal? And she couldn't even look him in the eye, and she quivered as she spoke, and she said, no. I just sort of figured it was inevitable because it's been happening everywhere else. I assumed it would happen here. Nelson Mandela said, one of the keenest revelation of a society's soul is how it treats its children. And when our children tell us that when they go to school, they expect to be shot, we haven't treated them very well. My son goes to kindergarten at the end of the summer, and how many days will it be before he goes through his first active shooter drill? Where I learned at the march yesterday, they teach kids to throw staplers and books at the shooters to make a distraction so they can get away. Some would say we need to raise our children to be Teflon. The Apostle Paul would beg to differ. The Apostle Paul has a far more realistic depiction of human fragility and a more beautiful one, if you ask me. He says, we are clay jars, clay pots, clay vessels. And the illusion is typically understood to refer to oil lamps of the day. And so we carry around in us the burning light of Jesus Christ, which should shine to the world, a lovely image. But it may not be the only image that Paul had in mind. An archaeologist, biblical archaeologist named Mark Wilson, uh, wrote an article that I read this week where he said, actually, some of the digs have revealed that some of these clay pots were treasure hoards filled with riches. And so not only do we carry the light of God within but we are literally treasures walking around, and it seems to me too much treasure has spilled needlessly and senselessly. Too many. And we're told to accept that it's just the way it has to be. And I'll tell you something stunning, at least it stunned me. One of the studies that they did on these school shootings where they had access to where the guns came from, that data, they found that 75% of the guns used were taken from the home. So there's a group now talking about these kinds of violent incidents as family fire. They're taking off this, um, the military theme of friendly fire, which, as you know, means when you take casualties from your own side. The military talks about it as doing the enemy's work for them. And, and one gentleman in the military said, you know, in the, in the military, when there is um, an incident of friendly fire casualties, what they do is they stop as much as they can everything, and they examine everything along the line, along the chain, 
to figure out what went wrong and what could be changed to prevent it from happening again. And the madness of all this is we seem to change so little. Content to let the enemy, and I use that in a spiritual sense, to do the enemy's work for him. But the good news, and there is good news, they'll tell you there's no good news, there's good news, is if that statistic is correct, then the chance to do something about it is right in our hands. And if you think we don't need to do something about it, look at the demographics of all those school shootings, Parkland, Noblesville, Santa Fe, they look a lot like Marin. And Jeff, our youth director, has said to me on more than one occasion, you know if it's going to happen in the Bay Area, it's happening here. It will happen here unless we do something about it. And if that statistic is correct, then we can easily do something about it. You see, Jesus has a wonderful teaching for us. He says we have to be shrewd. We have to be crafty. We have to be like foxes sometimes. And so we run up against a wall. We can beat our heads against it for a while, or we can go around it, or we can find a common ground where we think there isn't one, but there is one. The data says most people agree on most of this stuff. Few on the edges don't. And so what if we learn to be a creative community? And so while there's a deadlock in legislation and we can engage in that and probably should, we could find a common ground that gets something done in the meantime. What if, for example, we are creative enough to hold a forum here at the church for church people, trusted people, one another, and said, uh, if you're a gun owner, we want you to come. We want you to come because my guess is, and there are many in this congregation, I'm sure, that gun owners in Marin uh, keep pretty quiet about it because of fear of chastisement, fear of being judged and called all kinds of things that they aren't and had assumptions made about them that aren't true largely. What if we said this place will be safe for you and we want you to share? Tell us if you're willing, why you have a gun. Maybe you're a hunter, maybe you're a sports shooter, maybe you have another reason. But we want you to have a voice as a minority voice in this county, and we're not going to argue. We're going to listen, because maybe some of us have something to learn from you as to why you choose to have a weapon in your home. And then together, we can celebrate as we all take a pledge that if we have one in our home, we'll lock it up. 75% of the shootings wiping away in one moment. Somebody after the first service said to me, I'm a gun owner, I'll come and I'll gladly talk and everyone in this room respects this person, I can promise. Somebody else after the first service came to me and said, I'll help raise money to buy locks. Somebody already volunteered free locks to us, but that's okay, we'll take two if we need to. Somebody else came up to me after the first service and said I was an ER physician at Columbine. And I went around talking about that experience. And a year later, I was talking about it, and someone came up to me and said, I'm so glad, you know, it's nice of you to share this, but you know you don't need to because it's never going to happen again. It's going to happen again unless we stop it. And we can stop it. Not only can we do practical things, but maybe we can change the conversation so we stop demonizing each other to death and get something done for the sake of our children. 
those same children that deserve to be in God's wings all the time, one of the reasons we're doing a capital campaign to expand this building is to have a room for this new children's program called Sacred Stories. And Sacred Stories teaches them the biblical stories in a way that makes them feel wrapped in God's loving arms and safe. But how can we tell them they're safe here if we don't make them safe there, too? Part of the reason we're doing a renovation is not to make a museum to a bunch of pots that can sit on a shelf and gather dust. No, we're called to be rowdy vessels, maybe. To shake things up, make a little noise, a little holy unrest, and maybe a little creative thinking. Spread a different kind of light, maybe, in a community that seems divided. Some people wanted to lock her up. Now a bunch of people want to lock him up. What about looking at guns and saying, let's just lock them up. We can agree on that chant. We're doing all this stuff we're doing here to be a light to the community, to be those wings, to be vessels not tributing to someone who's dead and gone. That would make this a museum. No, we're a church. We're bearing witness to someone who defeated death, who is alive and well, and who's coming back. Now, I know we don't talk about that kind of stuff in Presbyterian churches. The second coming makes us nervous. We're not, are we at the Baptist church? But however you understand that mysterious teaching of the church that God's coming again, maybe in a new way, maybe in not such a masculine way, who knows? That's to be our prayer. You know what the last line of the Bible is? There's a little salutation, but chuck that out. I mean, not really, but for purposes of this. The second to last line, the last substantive line is, Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Come back. Enter this world again and do something new again. Not so that we can escape this earth or throw it away or go to some heavenly city up there, but so that this might feel like your heavenly city, that this might feel like your kingdom, and that those in power might look more like the real king. And the reign might look like his or her reign on earth. That's to be our prayer. And how dare we feel helpless and powerless when we've been given the greatest force the universe has ever known, the force that created the universe. Because our first theological conviction is that God created the world because God overflowed with love. That's Jonathan Edwards. Overflowed with love. The royal wedding was good for more than just fancy hats. And I know you watched it. I know you watched it. Someone in our household taped it. Someone in our household almost skipped her husband's commencement to watch it. Bishop Michael Curry spoke of love and said, don't over-sentimentalize it. And don't underestimate it. There is power in that love. Power in that love to say, not only that the king is coming back, but we can start to get ready. It's not a declaration of linear time. It's not a description that Jesus is coming back. It's a conviction. And we join in that conviction and we help bring it about. So when is the king coming? Soon. 
soon and very soon, as the hymn says. Our first hymn says, God loves endures for all time. The second one says, God's love is coming back soon and very soon. So when is this all going to change? Well, you know the answer, soon. Soon and very soon it's going to change. When will people who flee violence be given a safe haven to start a new life until they can go to the home that they didn't want to leave in the first place? When? You know the answer soon. Soon and very soon. When will migrants come and not be uh, run into fortified cities and pushed out into the desert to cross there so some will die deterring the others? When will we realize that that's not the way of the cross of Jesus Christ? When will migrants come not be separated from their children as we realize that's no semblance of the family values we espouse soon and very soon? And don't get on me because one of those was a democratic policy and the other one was a Republican policy. So to quote Brian McLaren, in this issue, we're talking about two wings of the wrong bird. We know our bird the one that gathers all in, and we're creative enough to do it. When? Soon. Soon and very soon. Soon and very soon, we will recognize that God's got something cooking for us, and so we can stop cooking this earth because we can think of more creative and sustainable ways to be in relationship with this thing, this beautiful thing that God has given us. When? Soon and very soon. Soon and very soon. We will realize that it's twice as expensive to send someone to prison in California as it is to send them to college. When will we wake up to that reality? Soon and very soon. Soon and very soon we will recognize what it's like not to be white or not to be well off or not to have access to work or not to ask when you get sick, not first Will I get well, but can I afford to go to the doctor? Which is the first question, if not most, than many people ask in this country. Not will I be well, can I afford to be well? When will we wake up to that reality and change it? When? Soon. And very soon. It's a conviction. It's not a description. It won't happen if we don't say it. Soon and very soon, we won't just have to have our jaws drop as woman after woman, and sometimes man after man says, me too. And after hearing their stories, we'll pick our jaws up off the ground and change something about what it's like to work in this culture and what it's like to go out in this culture. When is that going to happen? You tell me. Soon. Very soon. Soon and very soon, our leaders will not be slaves to the almighty dollar. They will be public servants when soon and very soon if we say it and we join in and soon and very very soon we're going to come to this table the table of Jesus Christ where we are not only taught to remember what happened what Jesus did but hold on to the promise of what God will do when soon and very soon The Apostle Paul says, we bear the death of Jesus in our bodies. And we do, do we not carry the scars of this world inside us? We feel it. You feel it. You talk to me all the time. We carry that pain in our bodies. We carry it to the table. 
And the Apostle Paul said we bear the life of Jesus in our bodies too. So it is incumbent upon us to come to this table and feel the real brokenness which is there and then feel the real nourishment that we get so that we go out into the world as beacons of life, of light and beacons of life into this community. And when will that happen? Soon and very soon. Well, how about now? Amen. We will have a moment of quiet now as we often do after the sermon for you to give me critical notes. But also to be in prayer because uh, though it may not have come soon enough for all of you, this is the day where the campaign comes to culmination, this capital campaign to support God's beloved church that you have cared for so beautifully for so many years. And so I ask you to be in prayer not only for the world and for your family and for the loved ones and for your enemies, but for this congregation I have in my hand a couple of things to show you. This is not a McCarthy moment. Don't get nervous. These cards, each of them represents one pledge already made to the church, about a hundred of them in here, of people who committed in advance because they wanted to inspire others to give. We're going to place these in the plates. Others of you were instructed to bring your pledge, and if you brought it today, we'll just ask you to put it in the offering plate like any other offering. If you need a pledge card and you're moved to fill one out on the spot, Peter has extras. I have a couple here to turn in. I didn't pledge with two envelopes. These are ones people gave to me. But we invite you to be in prayer for that and in prayer for this congregation that we might indeed enlarge and beautify our wings for a world that needs it so much.
You may be seated. This is the time that we are invited to come to the Lord's table. Know that all are welcome. All are invited to come and share in this meal together. You'll be directed by the ushers to come forward by the center aisle. You can take a piece of bread from the plate, dip it lightly in the cup, and that way partake of both of the elements together. There will be a plate of gluten-free bread right in the middle if that is important to you. You can then return to your pews by the side aisle. Rob and I will be up here at the front if you should desire a time of additional prayer. We will be here for that. Now, Jesus invites us to come to the table in peace. So I invite you, as you are comfortable, to stand and share the peace of Christ with one another. From the north and the south, come from the east and the west, come sit at the table in the kingdom of God. This is the joyful feast of the kingdom of God. Come from the north and the south, come from the east and the west, come sit Friends, inspired by the vision of those like Bishop Michael Curry for the sake of children like Paige Curry, let us make our time on this earth count like Stephen Curry. I couldn't resist, sorry. <laughs> That's what it should, like, should sound like before we come to the table because this is a table of joy. This is a church of joy. This is a gospel of joy. Paul said, we are afflicted, but we are not crushed. That we may be perplexed, but we will not be driven to despair. So don't come to this table in despair. Come to this table bearing the life of Jesus on your countenance, because good news awaits you here. Come. Will you join with me? God be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God. Let us pray. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, creator and renewer of all life. Time and again you seek us out, breathing again the breath of life into the deflated places in our lives. And so we come to your table to praise you, to meet you face to face, 
and to taste yet again what your steadfast love can do. Holy are you, O God, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with those others considered unworthy. Through him, faith and hope were born again for so many. And so, as we remember the words and deeds of Jesus, we offer our own lives, leaving behind what we do not need, seeking new paths full of risen life in you. As followers of Christ, in communion with the saints and prophets from all times and places, we proclaim and live out this holy mystery as we lift our voices in praise. Friends, on the night of his arrest, Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks, he blessed it and broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood. It is poured out for the forgiveness of For you and for many, do this as often as you drink of it, he said, remembering me. Come, for all things are now ready.
table of joy. Come to the table of joy. Come to the table of joy. This is God's table. It's not yours or mine. Come to the table of joy. Number 498. Jesus, bread of 
Let us pray. Having been fed at your table, O God, let us now hunger for justice. Let us thirst for righteousness. Let us be insatiable in our quest for love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The number for our... Oh, you're going to do announcements, then I'll... So this has been a celebration weekend. Last night we had our celebration banquet, celebrating the culmination of our capital campaign. Today the children have been having their own celebration party during the Sunday school hour. And after worship, we have snow cones. You gotta celebrate with snow cones. Um, so there's a snow cone truck out toward the back of the parking lot, um, and we ask if you are a child, please go with an adult because this is happening in the parking lot. Okay, snow cones are free for our kids. The adults are welcome to have them too. There is a small charge if you're an adult and want a snow cone. And if you're leaving, if you're parked toward the back of the parking lot, just please be very careful, as there's going to be a lot of activity back there. But we hope that you'll join us as we continue to celebrate. Sorry to step on your toes. She's used to it. Um, (laughs) Closing hymn, I mean, really, is number 384. But y'all don't need your hymnals. We'll shout out the verses as we go once you get comfortable with it. And you do not need to hold back. There are no cameras in here. Close your eyes if it helps. Let's stand and sing. there. See you. 
friends, as you go from here, may you be lifted as wings on eagles, and may you go knowing that you go with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of all of us, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, this day and forevermore. Amen.